Good morning, Golden Corner Church, and good, good morning to all of you who have chosen to visit with us. We're so thankful that, that you are here. Uh, this morning, I want to share, or I guess maybe I want to use the word reveal, Christianity's best kept secret. Now, I think most of you know this, that I was not raised in a religious, church-going family. And for that reason, I knew very little about the Bible, and I probably knew a whole lot less about church. When it came to church, I always viewed myself as an outsider. I was out of the loop. I was uh, not in the know in regard to most church matters. Now, I had friends, that a few friends, that went to church almost every Sunday. I guess I had some friends that went to church every Sunday. You remember the pins that people used to get for perfect attendance? Man, I had friends that had pins hanging all the way down here. They went to church every Sunday. And I looked at them as insiders. Now, they were in the loop. They were in the know, but not me. But about my 21st birthday, I think it was four years ago, Yeah, I'm kidding. Nine years ago, nine years ago, uh, I started going to church some. I, I, I'd take my wife and my daughter, and we'd go to church every once in a while. And uh, In time, I accepted Christ, and I was saved. And after I was saved, I started going to church on a regular basis. So I guess you could say that I became an insider. I was now in the know. I was in that loop. And as an insider, I discovered that the church community had been keeping something from from me all my life. It It was their secret. And nobody from the church community had ever shared it with me. Now, can you guess what that secret was? I'm going, to give you two, I'm going to give you two opportunities. You ready? If you can't guess it in two tries, I'm just going to reveal the secret. So, okay, here goes. Here's your first chance. Guess number one. You're guessing. All right, I know what you thought. Here's what you're thinking. Ronnie, once you became an insider, uh, you kind of, you were in the know, you were in the loop. You probably discovered that Christian people, church-going people, don't always get along with each other. I know what you're thinking. I bet you one day you walked up on Brother Wingtips and Brother Cheap Suit, and they were having a heated argument over which hymnal they were going to sing out of that morning, and your innocence was shattered. You may be thinking, Ronnie, you're a pretty perceptive guy. You probably picked up pretty quickly that Sister Never Smiles had boycotted Sunday school because Brother Pants Too Short was not re-elected as Sunday school superintendent. And then you knew the dark secret. Church folk don't always get along with each other. Being perfectly honest with you, I already knew that. Even as an outsider... I knew that. 
The churches in our community were legendary for the battles that they had among themselves. Most of the time, I guess really maybe we should say it like this, all of the time over silly, insignificant matters. You know, all of us on the outside, we heard about the battles they were having on the inside. So no, that's not what I learned. So you're wrong on that guess. You missed it. So I'm going to give you one more guess. You ready? What was this secret that they withheld from me for over 20 years? You are guessing the secret was, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I bet you I know what you discovered. You got in there and you began to hang out with these people. You began to see them away from Sunday morning. And you discovered that some of the people that you went to church with were as phony as a $3 bill. That what they appeared to be on Sunday morning was not at all what they really were on Monday morning. You discovered you had some folks that you went to church with who were pretending. That's your discovery. No, I'm going to be honest with you again. Once again, even as an outsider, I knew that everybody that went to church was not sincere. You see, back in my day as an outsider... It didn't matter what kind of party that I was at on a Saturday night, whether we were getting stoned and listening to Led Zeppelin or we were knocking back a few and listening to Waylon Willie and the boys. You could about count on it, man. We always had a few church folk there with us. And I began to understand that, that really, for a lot of church folk, there's only one thing that, that, that separates us. And that is, on Sunday mornings when I'm nursing my hangover, I typically do it in the privacy of my own home. Those poor old church people, they're nursing their hangover in a church service, listening to Sister Matt at the World singing about having joy, 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 joy somewhere way down in her heart. It's no secret that church people don't always get along with each other. It's no secret that every church has got its share of hypocrites. I knew all that. Do you know what Christianity's best kept secret is? Do you want to know? (laughs) I'm about to reveal it to you. You ready? You ready? Okay, here's what it's going to do. Lean in. Lean in. Lean. Everybody lean in or I'm not going to share it. You got to lean in. This is a secret. We got to keep this among ourselves. You ready? Christianity's best kept secret is Christ died to give us a better life. You got it? Christ died to give us a better life. Now some of you are thinking this. Ronnie Hodge, you didn't know that Christ died for us? Now let me explain myself. Now I didn't go to church much as a kid. But I remember a couple of times watching Billy Graham. I'm I'm telling you, maybe twice. This ought to be a testimony to his ministry. Just in listening to Billy Graham a couple of times, let me tell you what I knew. I knew Christ died for me. I knew that he died on a cross. I knew that he died for me. I knew that he died paying for my sins. I knew that he did that because he loved me. I knew that if I were to receive what he was offering, he would forgive me of my sins. And I knew that if if I allowed that to happen the day that I died, I would go to heaven and live in this incredibly cool place for all of eternity. I got all that basically out of two Billy Graham sermons. I knew that. 
Here's what I didn't know. I didn't know that Christ died so that I could have a better life on this earth. I didn't know that. Nobody ever told me that Christ died so that in between the moment I was forgiven and the moment I walked through heaven's gates that I could have a better life. Nobody ever told me that. I knew that Christ had died so I could be forgiven. I knew he died so I could get to heaven, but I didn't know that he died to give me a better life here. And some of you, you know what you're thinking to yourself? Well, I never heard of such a thing either. Yeah, I know. It's Christianity's best kept secret. So, Ronnie, where are you getting this at? Uh, the Bible, John chapter 10, verse 10. They, they, I'm gonna, we're going to read just a, just a statement that Jesus made. And these, this, these are the words of Christ straight out of his mouth, written in red in your Bible. Jesus said, my purpose, and here's what he's saying. The reason I came from heaven to earth, the reason I took on you know, a human body, the reason I lived you know, among the human race for over 30 years, the reason that I suffered and died, the reason that I rose again and ascended back to heaven, my purpose in doing all that was to give them who? Anyone and everyone who ever received what he was offering, salvation, he said, my purpose was to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, that's, that's the way it reads in the New Living Translation, which is the translation I use. In the New International Version, it's, the, the phrase is rendered a full life. And this is what Jesus is saying. I came and did everything that, I, that I, I was sent to do so that I could give saved people a life of such quality that you couldn't possibly add anything to it. Ronnie, you think he's talking about heaven? Not in that verse, he's not. Jesus is real clear. I came and died on a cruel cross so that I could give saved people a better life on this earth. Now you understand, he's not talking about a life free from problems and free from pain, but he's talking about a, a life that is rich and satisfying in spite of our problems and our pain. It's a better life than the one we had. It's a better life than anything we could accomplish on our own. It's a better life than anything we could really imagine. Now, that's our secret. Christ died to give us a better life. You know what I wish? I wish somebody had told me that sooner. I wish I had known that sooner than I discovered it. Because if I had known that, Jason, I really believe I would have been saved sooner. You know, I don't remember exactly, I don't remember my exact age on this, but I do remember when it occurred to me that I need God. Do you remember when that happened in your life? I mean, I remember I was probably 10 or 12 years old, and, and it just kind of came to me that, that I'm not right with God. I need Him. He's taking measures so that I could be right with Him. It's my move. And I felt this urge from within that I should accept Christ. And you know how I responded to that? I fought it with every ounce of strength that I had. I resisted giving in to that urge. I resisted it for the better part of two weeks until finally that feeling left me. Man, that feeling left me for years. And some of you may be asking, why would you, why would you resist it that way, Ronnie? Well, as an outsider, I reached the conclusion that 
I was willing to risk all of eternity rather than try to live like I felt Christians lived. You say, how did you feel that Christians lived? I felt the Christian life was absolutely boring. It had to be boring. I didn't believe Christians laughed, cut up, had fun. I thought the Christian life was just a set of rules, do's and don'ts. Very restrictive. I thought accepting Christ would be kind of like walking into a prison cell and closing the door behind me. My freedom's gone. I'm just a prisoner. I'm a captive here for the rest of my life. Some of you may be asking, how in the world did you reach such a conclusion? Well, I had two things. Number one, I didn't have any Christians telling me the secret. I'm still just a little bit resentful about that. You know that? I never had one Christian in all my years look at me and tell me, you know, if you'll accept Christ, he'll, he'll give you a better life. No, nobody ever told me that. And more importantly, I never had any Christians showing me that. I, I knew some Christians. And most of them seemed to be mad about it. It was kind of like, Ronnie Hodge, doggone you. If, if we've got to live this way, you ought to live this way. When I was a kid, mom and dad went through this phase where they felt like the kids need to be in church. Now, they didn't feel like they need to be in church, but we kids need to be in church. So they'd drop us off at church, and when church was over, they'd come back and get us. I remember, I remember those church services. They were mind-numbing. They were so boring. Now, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to just you know, be negative. I'm just telling you from my perspective, you know, they were just mind-numbing. They were so boring. You know, I love the old hymns, but you don't have to do an old hymn in a dead manner, do you? I don't know what the thought process was behind that as they prepared for their music. Let's make this as absolutely flat and as dead as we can possibly make it. I mean, remember some of the sermons and me sitting there, you know, my mind, some of you were having this going around, my mind was just drifting everywhere because, I mean, the pastor up in here would say something like, young people, here's a fact you may find interesting. When, on the days when Jesus walked the earth, most leather products were not really made out of cowhide, but rather camel hide. And you're sitting there thinking, so What? Maybe that would be interesting if I didn't have some kind of life. Really? When Christians talked to me, it seemed it was always don'ts and have tos. You remember that? You know what that's like? Don't say that. Don't go there. Don't do that. You have to do this. You have to do that. You got to be here. They gave me the impression that I wasn't doing anything right, that everything about my life was wrong. From my experience with Christians in church, I concluded Christian people must be living a miserable life. I believe that if I got saved, Jesus would slowly begin to dismantle my life. I'll take this, I'll take that, I'll take this and that, until the next thing I knew, I was left with nothing. I just pictured myself as a Christian sitting in a dark room, listening to organ music, longing for heaven. Now, listen, here's the thing. You think I'm making that up? Honest to God, I believe that. 
So I made a decision that in regard to the Christian life, this is the conclusion I came to, thanks but no thanks. I'll take my chances with hell. I remember it. I'll take my chances with hell before I try to live that way for the rest of my life. Does this sound vaguely familiar to any of you in your thought processes? Some of you are. You're thinking, man, that's what I thought before I came this morning. I'm going because I've been invited. I'm going because I feel some sense of obligation. There ain't no way I'll ever sign my name on the dotted line and make a commitment to this. I don't want to live the way they live. You'd have been saved a long, long time ago if you knew the truth, if anybody ever told you the secret. And the secret is Christ died to give you a better life in between forgiveness and heaven, a better life. At some point as an insider, my eyes were opened and I realized that I had seen the Christian life all wrong. I realized that Christ didn't die on a cross to rob me of life. He died on a cross to give me life. A better life. A rich and satisfying life. You ask, Ronnie, what happened that kind of opened your eyes to this? I just began living the Christian life. And I remember Sam one day thinking this to myself. The life I have is so much better. That if there were no heaven. And if there were no hell. I'd do this anyway. You know, something about Christianity I didn't understand. I didn't understand that when you got saved, that you entered into a real relationship with God himself. I didn't know that. I thought salvation just meant I was forgiven of my sins, and that's a good thing, and I thought when I die, I'll go to heaven, but I didn't think there was anything in between. But misery. I didn't know that I would be reconciled with God and that I would know Him. You know, the Bible teaches that our sins separated us from God, it severed our relationship with God. And you understand that's the reason Christ came. He came to die on a cross to take care of our sins, take them out of the way, removing the barrier so that we could be reconciled with God and have our relationship restored with Him. You know, in the context of this relationship, God began to do some things for me. Once again, I'm almost ashamed of my ignorance. I had no idea these kind of things would happen if I was a Christian. But in the context of my relationship with him, he he started guiding me and my family. We would come to these crossroads where we had decisions to make. And these decisions were such a magnitude, we couldn't afford to be wrong. We just couldn't afford to be wrong. And so God would step into the equation there, and he, from his infinite wisdom, you know he knows as much about the past as he does the very moment, and he knows as much about the future as he does the past. And he would step in with his infinite wisdom, and he would say, I know exactly what you ought to do. You ought to do this. Man, we'd nail it. Just following his guidance. He would provide for us. There have been many, many, many times where our needs were greater than our resources. 
And in an unexplainable, miraculous way, He just made sure we had what we needed out of His infinite resources. He just provided for us. He protected us again and again and again from a relentless, ruthless adversary called the devil. There were battles we faced. We couldn't have won. David, there was no way we were going to win. And you know what He would do? He would allow us to access His power, and in His power we would win those battles. He would give us things to do. He wanted us to do for others. And we knew that goes way beyond our skill set. And God would allow us to access His wisdom and His ability. And we were able to go do these things. Man, I remember sitting down and evaluating this and going, Man, this is better. This, This is better than the life I had. And then one day I came across John 10.10 and realized that the rich and satisfying life was actually a part of Christ's gift to me. I wish I'd known. And I'm going to make sure you know. When we're saved, we're forgiven of our sins, door on the past closed, reservations are made in heaven. In between, we get a better life. How do you beat that deal? You can't beat that deal. So, Ronnie, why are you sharing that with us? Because there's somebody here in this room that really needed to know it. You know all the other stuff. You know that Christ died on a cross. You know that he died on a cross for you. You know that he died on a cross for you, paying the price for your sins. And you know that he did that because he loves you. You know that he has paved the way for you to be forgiven and for you to be inner heaven. You, you know all that. And you know that you need him. And you know that the next move is yours. And you've known it for a long time. But you've been reluctant to take that final step. And commit yourself to Christ. To accept what he has to offer. And I know why. You've looked at this Christian life and you've thought to yourself, I can't or I won't. And I needed to come here today and put the final piece in the puzzle and make sure you understand something. Christ died to give you a better life between this day and heaven I'm telling you that so let's get that barrier out of the way so that you can take your next step and accept Christ I want you to understand something that this is a decision I can't make for you it's a decision that Your parents can't make for you. Your spouse can't make this decision for you. So you're not going to feel any pressure. We're not about to do 73 stanzas of just as I am as I beg you to come to an altar. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's your decision. This is your decision. And some of you, you're not ready. And you know that. And so I'm going to tell you this. You need more time to think about it. You take time to think about it, okay? 
But I know that I'm talking to somebody. I don't know how many of you there are. But you've thought about it. And you've thought about it a lot. And what you heard this morning clinched it. You're ready to accept Christ and be saved. You're ready to pull the trigger on this and take your step, and you know it. I want you to know that I'm going to, you might be asking, Ronnie, what does that entail? What would I have to do? Well, you've got to be willing, willing to turn your back on an old way of thinking and living and turn to Jesus and really attempt to live life his way. The Bible calls that repentance, which means a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. Are you, are you willing to try things his way? You've got to believe. You've got to believe all those things. Jesus died on the cross. He died for you, paying for your sins. You've got to believe to the degree that you're willing to stake your entire eternity on that, that you're going to trust in him to the degree that, that you, you believe that everything he did is adequate, and if you trust him, he's going to forgive you, he's going to save you. Are you, are you willing? Do you, do you believe? Is it what you want? Because then I'm telling you, if you say yes, 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 all that, yes, you're right there. You understand what I'm saying? You're right there. All you need to do is you need to acknowledge that in a simple prayer to God. And you need to tell Him. And you need to ask Him to save you. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. I'm not trying to be weird, just trying to make a private moment in a public place. Got it? I want you to understand something. Nobody's going to come to you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. You're not going to be asked to say anything. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm not asking you to become a Baptist. I'm not asking you for any kind of a financial contribution. We're not going to pressure you or embarrass you in any possible way. The question is really very simple. Do you want to be saved today? Is the timing right for you? Are you ready for this? If so, just in the privacy of your own mind, I want you to whisper this prayer to God. God, I admit to you, I've done some things that I know displeased you. I've sinned. And I'm sorry about it. But right now, right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm turning the rest of my life over to you. I'll do my best to do this your way from this point on. But I'm going to need your help. I believe that when Jesus died on that cross, it was for me. I believe that what he accomplished through his death and resurrection was enough. I'm trusting in him. For his sake. Will you save me? No one's looking at me. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer from the depths of your heart, sincerely, I'll tell you what God just did. He just forgave you. He just reconciled you to himself, and he just reserved a place in heaven for you. What do you think about that? Now, I want to ask you to do something. This is completely optional. If you're uncomfortable with it, I don't want you to do it. But if you don't mind, if you'd say, Ronnie, I prayed that prayer with you, and really, I'd like for, I'd like for you to know that. I want you to know that I just accepted Christ. Would you lift your right hand up in the air? Hold it there for just a minute, please. Yes, yes. Anyone else? Yes, yes. Anyone? 
Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. You just made the best decision of your life. It's going to impact your life and it's going to impact all of eternity in a positive way for you. I assure you of that. I want to pray for you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. You are great. You are awesome. And I thank you that you still save people. I thank you for these who were saved just in, just in these just these last moments. God, I thank you. I pray that you will guide them. I pray that you will protect them and provide for them. I pray that they'll make great connections with other believers that they'll find strength in and help in. God, I want us as a church to help them every way we possibly can. Thank you for grace and forgiveness and love. In the name of Jesus, we all pray together. Amen. Amen. What a great morning. Thank you. You're dismissed. I pray that your week is wonderful.